Hi, this is Stuttering John Melendez from The Howard Stern Show. And for some really stupid reason, you're listening... Insufferable Bastards. Great name for a podcast, morons. All right, speaking of people you don't want to hang out with, I happened to stumble across this show on YouTube called Insufferable Bastards. Hmm. Hmm. Perfect, the perfectly fine insufferable bastards those of you that are into podcasts like to listen to that kind of stuff uh, i mean you know I think gonna die! hey everybody welcome to insufferable bastards my name is carlos danger for the purposes of this broadcast turning up my mic a little joined by my co-host mr brian spears hello brian hello hello I got one more. I'll do this one. I love Judge oh, Dredd. God. I absolutely love Judge Dredd. Look forward to uh, Johnny Amenta's weekly Facebook message critiquing and complimenting insufferable bastards. It's something I look forward to uh, about every uh, Saturday or Sunday or Friday when we come out with a new episode. So today we're going to be talking about Mr. Spears. Well, not talking about Mr. Spears, but Brian and I are going to be talking about Yellow Jackets. Which was a show. Oh wait, I did. I did. I pressed the wrong button. Uh, a show on what do they call it? Showtime that recently concluded its first run, its first season. Uh, it's created by Ashley Lyle and Bart Nick Nickerson. Is that right? Bart, somebody named Bart created yeah, a show. Bart. Uh, those are two writers who had both worked on Narcos. Uh, coincidentally yeah. enough. Brian wasn't a huge fan of Narcos uh, Mexico season three. I, I, I tend to agree. It wasn't, wasn't the, it was definitely the weakest, but show's over and they, they've moved on to something else. Maybe they were writing this as they were working on that and distracted. I don't know. But uh, it has a huge ensemble cast. I mean, I like this show. This is one of the uh, good shows from, I guess, last year. I, I, I think like Succession was probably the best thing on TV and I, I'd put Yellow Jackets number two. Uh, it had this... Uh, eclectic mix of directors uh, all season. The season finale was directed by Eduardo Sanchez from Blair Witch Project. Blair Witch. Yeah. Uh, it was watched by 1.3 million people on its premiere night, according to Deadline, and then doubled its viewership from season one, episode one, to that last episode. And that's only live. You know, you're watching it on your TV as it airs. Streaming numbers apparently quadrupled for the show over the course of season of the season, averaging 5 million viewers a week. And I only mention all that because the way the world is right now and the way information is conveyed, sometimes I feel like I'm in my own information bubble. And I was watching Yellow Jackets and enjoying Yellow Jackets. Then I was seeing a lot of posts on Twitter under uh, Insufferable Bastards Twitter about Yellow Jackets. And then Twitter was suggesting all this Yellow Jacket content to me. And you know the, how the way things work, are they just, is this the AI feeding me that this show is popular? Or were people actually watching it? And it turns out that yes, people were very much watching and liking this show and the numbers from showtime prove that uh, according to deadline this is a january 19th article on deadline yellow jackets holds a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes and there were wga award nominations for best drama series best new series critic choice awards uh, nominations for best drama series best actress in a drama series for that actress that you've spoken highly about for Melanie Linsky. Oh, Melanie, yeah. 
who's been around uh, for a while. She's like she's like a seventies uh, a character actress. You know what I mean? She just always puts in good performances. It seems first three episodes, I thought I, I was turned on by her. I thought she was <laughs> so good of an actress. There was something really wait the first three episodes of Yellow Jackets. Yeah, that's what I feel she's like going about what's like his a name? Little... John Cena. She's Punisher. going through like her Peace her maker. phase with her husband and everything, um, and she was just very uh, she was a strong willed woman. Like it was just nice. To, I don't. Now, know. You have a massive crush on her because you've mentioned this several times in the podcast uh, before. Well, she's in Heavenly Creature. She's incredible, and that's like her first role, man. Her and Kate Winslet. I mean, yeah, so this is a good show. I mean, I saw that even Fangoria is selling merchandise sort of connected to the show. Really? Suddenly every website in the world is selling yellow and blue varsity jackets, which may or may not be licensed, I guess, by uh, Showtime or the creators or anything like that. I have no idea. I'm not asking any questions. So like just like running through. Yeah, it's Melanie Linsky as Shauna, Sophie something or other as young Shauna. Uh, some others that stand out, I mean, Jasmine Savoy Brown, she's the teen Taisa, who's yeah. been in, uh, she was what, on The Leftovers, I think. She had a, a major part. And she's now in everything. Yeah. She's in like a Spider-Man video game, I noticed. It is weird how these, these actors or actresses suddenly appear out of nowhere and then are in everything, which Twitter tells me is, is uh, proof of the Illuminati. Because uh, another one who, who stands out, what is it? Uh, Sophie Thatcher as young Natalie. She's the young Juliette Lewis. And she, yeah, now she's she on the book of Boba Fett. Boba, she was Joan Jett and Boba Fett. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Has she the played Joan Jett? Girl. Has that happened yet? No, 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 no. But she's the punk rock, like, you know, I was, that took me out of Boba Fett for a minute. Like, a punk rock girl, like Susie and the Banshees, or however you say that. People are going uh, nuts about, yeah, we should maybe record a separate episode on that. Maybe record two. Uh, yeah, and then like, you know, this sort of emotional rock for Generation X, of which Brian and I are members, you know, we graduated high school 1992. And I believe the story takes place in 1996. You got Juliette Lewis as Natalie oh, and yeah. Christina Ricci as Misty as the adult, you know, of course, versions. Juliette Lewis, I'll say it right now, will do her is doing her dad proud. Anyone that doesn't know her dad. Please check out John Amenta's favorite movie, Way of the Gun, where his favorite a, performance. Ever. Yes, his best, his fate, most favorite performance, Jeffrey Lewis in Way of the Gun. Julia Lewis is the most fearless actress on that show. She is so good in that. Yeah, and it's cool to see them because it was like Christina Ricci, of course. I mean, is, is about seven years younger. She's forty-one. Juliet Lewis is forty-eight. And I mean, on my radar, on my pop culture radar, they had both sort of faded away, especially Juliette Lewis, because they, they didn't do the whole rom-com thing, the two of them over the years. They were always sort of playing weird characters, you know, unconventional yes. characters. Uh, so it's great to see them back and at the center of, uh, of a drama like this. And I'm amazed that with a cast this big and a story this unwieldy, that it is compelling. It does a good job. And I think it's, it's, the stakes are raised. Uh, the quality of the show is raised uh, by the performances, uh, specifically Christina Ricci and Juliette Lewis. And I know that Juliette Lewis was on Stern, I guess, fairly recently, Brian. Is that, I saw it on YouTube. Maybe it was from a while ago. That was ago. a while ago. Oh, yeah, okay. That was well, a while ago. So that's, it's just how this YouTube and presents. And my friend, I've, I've had uh, friends work with her and they say that she's like amazing. It's totally down to girl, earth and all that. Like, yeah, like so cool. 
And we should um, throw out there that Brian, if there's any new listeners who are hate listening to us after hearing us getting bashed on who are these podcasts or coming across that one damn Bobby Lee video on YouTube that never goes away. Brian's a special effects makeup artist. Uh, has worked on everything from, uh, I don't know, the Punisher to the Equalizer to everything in between. And I'm a small town news reporter. But I wanted to well, play this quick. The funny part is, man, there is a, I don't mean to interrupt, but the one girl, is it Jackie? The one girl that doesn't, we don't have an adult version of. Or am I getting her name wrong? I'm yeah, yeah, Jackie, Ella Purnell. I saw her from very afar on the set of uh, Army of the Dead. Uh, Army of, yeah, Army of the Dead. <laughs> I don't know. What are you I don't, it's your work. I don't know what the hell. Uh, Army well, of the Dead. Yeah, right? Army, yeah, Army of the Dead. Uh, uh, you know, the Zack Snyder zombie movie. She was on set. I would see her, like, from across the uh, the casino floor. So she was in that. <laughs> cool. But here's Juliette Lewis talking about, I just thought this was interesting, uh, talking about, uh, Stern asks her about uh, working with uh, De Niro and all that back in the day on Cape Fear. Scorsese directing. Yeah. And De Niro yeah. that you acted against. Were you nervous when you went on set? Here's what's awesome about being young and relatively naive is I didn't know I was working with the greats of American cinema. That's that is pretty cool. So she was 19 when she got Cape Fear. I remember seeing that in the movie theater, probably with you. And I remember yep. Roger Ebert and, and Gene Siskel championing Juliette Lewis and her performance in that I think movie, she was Oscar nominated. For which she was nominated for uh, an Academy Award. It was won by Mercedes Rule, I believe, for the – no, not the – for something. Maybe the Fisher King, but Brooklyn? no, that's wrong. No. Or maybe it's right. Was I don't know. The, Who knows? I'm not fact-checking. Yeah. Uh, I like the, the uh, when I first watched this show, I was watching it with my wife, and I was a little taken aback by. I, I like, I, I'm so I lost. I was never a fan of Lost. I don't like these shows where the supernatural comes in because I just feel like they rewrite the rules. Anything can happen. Sort of like, and I'll, I'll just say this why not? Sort of like Marvel movies where they have yeah. this, where Thanos has to get this, that, and the other thing. And then if we get this, and there's just, to me, there's no. There's no drama. There's no story because when you're in that realm of of, of complete anything is possible, I, I I can't stand it because they could just change the rules every five seconds. So I was a little uh, wary of this show at the beginning because there is oh is there supernatural elements involved? Is this show going to be? Uh, is it horror? You know, and and I wasn't into that. But also I mean, that opening still, sequence. That opening sequence, you like, it's a completely different show than right after the credits roll. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know what you're getting. Yeah, that yeah, they led. You know, they 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 did a good lead. Uh, the, like this uh, former editor that I worked with back in the day said, you know, the first paragraph of a newspaper article is designed to get you into the second. It's that simple. You know, you get thirty words to get people to go to paragraph two, and this show did that uh, expertly because. Everybody is still talking about that first scene because at the end of season one, we still don't have an answer as to who is the the antler queen and all that crap and who fell into the the, the stupid uh, pit and got impaled on the whatchamacallit. I was watching Southern Comfort, speaking of people being impaled. Uh, oh, I was randomly wow. watching Walter Hill's Southern Comfort, which is a very, very strange movie. They do not make movies with that type of tone anymore, but that's neither here nor there. But like, you know, I like the fact that 
they don't really push the supernatural stuff. I guess it depends on how you interpret it. What I liked about this show, to me, the way I'm reading it, is that, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Thaisa, who now as an adult is crawling up a tree and, and doing whatever, possibly cut off her dog's head. Um, that's, you know, it seems to me they're all dealing with trauma, like it's PTSD yes. to the extreme. You could interpret it that way, that it's not necessarily an evil force, but there's a lot about mental illness uh, in this and untreated mental illness. And uh, that's the way I, cause I like things that are more grounded in reality than just uh, batshit crazy, you know? I also like how the woods are, it goes back to like the Blair Witch. The Blair Witch always worked for me because the woods are scary. To me, the adult plot, you know, feels a little more contrived at times. Uh, but again, it's like the performance is so good. It's something I can easily uh, overlook. But I wasn't a huge fan of like Misty, Christina Ricci, keeping that private investigator, or who I don't even know who that person was, locked up in her in her, in, in her basement for a couple of episodes there. That was uh, weird to me. The other thing that was strange to me was the whole subplot of who is trying to blackmail them. And when it's revealed, yeah. you're kind of like, wait, what? It was just the, 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 the goofy husband who is who's who's sort of barely a character uh, in this. Uh, what's her name? Shauna's husband. Is that yeah. What it is? yeah, I met him. He was always outside smoking cigarettes. I would uh, work on Orange is the New Black and he was shooting some cop show, I think, with Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, that, I mean, and then there's that shocking uh, plot twist, I guess, where Shauna murders the guy sticks a knife in him, which I was like, oh, is this going to, I mean, at one point, like halfway through the season or so, I was like, man, I hope this isn't a story that's going to be stretched over five seasons it's because it seems like they were, they were going towards a conclusion and that that's the, the story would reveal itself and we'd get an idea of what happened by the end of the season. So, and I saw some like uh, stuff online, people are saying or declaring that this show should not be more than three seasons. And I sort of get that because I was really worried that they're really going to, you know, it becomes like Walking Dead where you're just beating a dead horse. Like, all right, how long are you going to tell the story about? How long does it take them to go from being like, you know, your your basic teenage girls to being uh, cannibals, I guess? That, that's, a, that's the yes. other thing. The show got totally billed as being the cannibals show. But first season, there's no cannibalism. There's no cannibals. Yeah. So, uh, and, you know, how do they become? And we know, you know what they are today so i was like how although the the plot structure and the narrative pulled me in i was wondering how long can they pull pull how long can they pull this off but by the end of season one oh okay i i was still there were some revelations there and you know this that and the other thing and juliet lewis gets captured i was like oh I'll, I'll come back to season two maybe this is a show that can have some legs and go on the rumor for a little bit is a five they had they pitched a five season arc whether oh, that really? means that, yeah, they pitched, yeah. I don't know if they'll have five seasons, but their storyline could go five seasons. But I did find a random article, which Brian is alluding to. It was on IGN, which seemed quickly put together to sort of capitalize on the season finale of season one of Yellow Jackets, because it was on like Google immediately. It was published uh, like in big, and these were big bold face questions that we have. What did the ending mean? It was published January 16th at 11 p.m. Last updated January 22nd. And the first question they have, is Jackie really dead? Jackie's diary that you just mentioned lists movies that came out after they went missing which some fans are saying suggests a post-wilderness role uh, for Jackie within 
within this series. So I didn't even think about that. I didn't notice that. Well, but... that's the stuff I didn't notice that ha- you had to like pause that. That's real quick. <laughs> Is it? Like, so there's cycle. Yeah, like it's. I think it's when Melanie's in the uh, in the in the bedroom, right? When she goes up when she visits the parents had, of of Jackie. visits the parents that she does every year and has brunch. She goes upstairs and she holds a diary. That's all I could think where it's from. You like you had to freeze. Like I was like, wait, that's it. How yeah, and I'm not going know? back and watching episodes to to try to exactly. You know, if, if there's probably people listening who know the answer to that, and maybe we're wrong, but I'm not going back to to fact check that particular part because there's other things to do, and I'd rather just listen to the story. It's not that important to me. But I mean, the showrunners. I read some article I don't know where where they said no, Jackie's dead. She'll. They basically said you'll see your next season in flashbacks, but. But Jackie is dead. Maybe they'll renege on that. Uh, I don't know. But again, you know, one thing that sort of bothers me, and I'll, I just, we just might as well play it because these fucking superhero movies, how many fucking more can they do? I do have some resentment because comic book movies and people who consume comic book movies all the time or consume comic books all the time, they always sort of bring to this because, you know, comic books have just an incredibly long lifespan. You know, all yes. the different variations of Spider-Man that have been going on for whatever, 50 years, or Batman for 50 years. And there's all this baggage and what's canon and what's not canon. They bring it all to the table. And now we're at the point in the culture, like in the movie culture, where that way of thinking permeates everything horror movies now. People go back and they look at Friday the 13th and they, and they all come to it with that comic book uh, sensibility where this ties in with that. I and mean, what about that scene? And what does that mean? Yeah. And it's like, to me, it gets a little annoying, especially like a, a franchise like Friday the 13th was just, it was just put together for paychecks. I mean, there, there was no, they weren't trying to entertain anybody. They weren't trying to build a multiverse. They were just trying to make bucks off blood and boobs that's what it comes down to. that's what it comes down to I and totally so you agree. see some of this it's, it's also happening with yellow jackets like it's just the culture you know what i mean we're we're it's not it's not meant for us we're not the demographic uh for that stuff another thing ign asks is what does jackie's dream mean i mean i don't know it's i guess that was her i just thought that she i don't know <laughs> She was she was dying and she wanted people to be nice to her. I don't know. Then there is a Van's conversation with Ty or Tay. Ty hints at something more. Van, and that was the one who was half eaten by wolves. And then to yes. darkly comedic effect was set on fire, but it turned out to be yeah. still alive. Although let me ask you, maybe this is too inside baseball. You're a special effects makeup artist. If wolves ripped off your your jaw or ripped off the skin to the point where it it shows your molars, can you it just tie that together? Teeth. It showed teeth, and then at the very, the last, you know, the last two episodes, she has just a little bit of a little scar. <laughs> yeah, that no, that's, okay. It's not rotting. I mean, the one guy loses his leg, and he's like, you know, you could, you know, that very, and I will say this, the gore makeup in this, phenomenal. Well, that image of, of the, of, of uh, Van with her cheek ripped off, and you could see her teeth, that definitely stuck with me. And I was like, oh, wait a sec, wow, that healed nicely. <laughs> And I also thought, like, her concept of covering it up for an episode, I was like, that's an awesome, like, because that le- leads you to think back to the opening scene again. The Antler Queen. Yeah. So, and then when she just has a scar, I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And that's the other question that IG raised, the Antler Queen. Who is the Antler Queen? I don't oh, I don't really care. I can wait. Right? All right. 
I mean, I think you know by the last episode. It's the what's her name? The uh, I don't. I can't remember that, her name. It's the one that just has the premonitions. Yeah, the one who yeah who has uh, who who lost her. I guess that was her her pills for whatever uh, mental health issues she has. And then the last okay, question. I was going to ask you that question. All right, so you just answered my question. Thank you. Oh, what were her pills? I just assumed yeah. it was some type of antipsychotic. I don't know. Um, and then I guess if anybody watches this, we're probably wrong and beat us up on YouTube for it. Uh, fifth question, the cult, what was up with the crap in Thais's basement? I just thought that's her. She's so thoroughly traumatized by what happened to her in the woods. She does weird stuff like that. Uh, so my question for you, Brian, and I don't know if you saw this in there, but we're kids of the 90s. We came at, we're not kids of the 90s, really. I guess we sort of were kids of the 80s. We were in our 20s. Yeah. Yeah. So like, 1996. When, when this would have came out. 1996, we would have been 22. Uh, we graduated high school 92. Uh, I guess I guess technically we were supposed to graduate college 96. Didn't happen for yeah. me. It took a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> I went to art school, so it happened way sooner. But yeah. So does this, does it accurately capture life in 1996? I don't even know if it's a fair question, but did you have anything that stood out to you? It was like, oh yeah, that was definitely 1996. Like, yeah, I, I do. I, I, I didn't live that high school lifestyle of it. I also think it's a weird question for us to answer because we're two middle-aged cisgendered males. But I like how we have to, listen, you have to be really, you have to tread really carefully and qualify. Well, yeah, I mean, days. listen, the, the, I mean, come on, man. It opens up with two, an older lady and then a younger female enjoying themselves in two different sequences. It does? Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean. You know, so as a male viewer, you're like, and you that reminds you of 1996. Well, what were you doing well, in 96? Well, yeah, I mean, like I said, oh, I didn't do anything wow. until the 90s. But well, it, it, I didn't find anything. I mean, the only thing that I found that, that that took me back to the 90s was they sang the seal song, and you couldn't get away from uh, "Kissed by a Rose" and all that garbage. Yeah, but I in thought the, 90s, the music by this was... time, finally. Shitty music gets its due. I don't get that at all, but I guess that's what's cool nowadays. But yeah, for me, that was the only thing. And if you go back to 96, I just real quickly looked at what were the uh, top singles of 1996. Number one was the Macarena. And I specifically remember being in a bar uh, when the Macarena was a thing and how you could not, I mean, a dive bar. and But you could, even in dive bars, you could not, you know, bars that didn't have liquor licenses, you could not escape the Macarena. That's how yes. how big it was. All right. So, yeah, that was I thought the movie that best captured what it was like growing up, at least where Brian and I grew up in the 1990s, was Dazed and Confused, which is actually set in the 70s. But I don't know, maybe yes. where we grew up was sort of behind the, the times to a certain extent. And also, I mean, it's an unfair question. Does it accurately capture life in 90, 1996? Because the vast majority has been in the woods. <laughs> You know, I mean, they're just well, in the woods. That could be yeah. that could be in, in any era. I saw some criticisms of the show that I've come across. I read one article where the writer was upset because the religious character, who it turns out she had had like she had like a brain injury too from she had dived mm -hmm. in a pool and hurt her hurt her head and thought and then that became she saw God, um, who just dies in that plane crash in almost yeah. a almost a comedic way. People felt that was a little cruel. But I mean, the show does have a coldness to it, to what, but I guess that's what, what happens, but, but it was almost a little true. bit comical. And, but then they, she's the next episode, she's just gone. It doesn't seem to really have any lasting emotional impact. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I thought that was, uh, although it was pretty lousy CGI of that, of that plane. Well, all right. Up. I agree with you on that. The bad C CGI stuff for that, but I thought that was a necessary plot line. 
And then the other I thing I saw, and this is just randomly a random person on, uh, uh, I won't say where, on social media, uh, sort of critiqued the young Natalie, you know, the young Juliette Lewis, uh, like the clothes she was wearing wasn't necessarily uh, representative of like what the punks were wearing at that time. And I'm just like, Jesus, if there's any critique that backs up stereotypes and the feeling of other and the whole click thing, it's critiquing somebody saying that the, the punk clothes weren't weren't accurately punk. I mean, I don't think that matters. She wears the same clothes in Boba Fett and no one complains. Uh. <laughs> it's like, I just want to read quickly, Vulture Magazine tied this uh, show to the other, this other show called Search Party. And uh, the last season of that was released within the, I guess when this airs, it'll be within the last four weeks. But yeah, it to me, I don't know why I do, I watch these together, I guess. Maybe that's what it is. And, uh, and they, I'll just read this. This winter, in the midst of the latest and most turbocharged proliferation of the novel coronavirus, or novel corona, what is it? Novel? Novel coronavirus. Novel? Two television series briefly, blissfully took our minds off the fact that our elected federal government is telling us to Google things during an unprecedented global crisis. Yellow Jackets, which recently concluded its first season, follows a group of teenage soccer players who crash land in the wilderness and turn on one another in ways both social and primal. Search Party, in its final season, transformed into an apeshit, nonstop demonstration of the yes and improv principle, freewheeling from sharp, noirish, millennial satire into post-apocalyptic zombie masterpiece. And I will say that if you hadn't, if you had not, if you have not seen Search Party, which is also on HBO Max, not also because Yellow Jackets is Showtime. Sorry, it is. I have never seen a show arc take a right turn that i mean spoiler alert it becomes it's about the zombie apocalypse a show that started yeah. off that was sort of like girls in a way it was sort of reminiscent of girls but i think funnier and not as pompous turns into zombies uh and if you haven't watched it sorry i just spoiled it for you oh one last thing brian i wanted to ask you and yeah we are two middle-aged cisgender white men identified uh, in a previous episode a couple of years back by uh, two guests talking about once upon a time in Hollywood, we were repeatedly told that we are cisgendered white men of a certain age. So obviously that puts us in a box and we're not allowed, I guess, to comment uh, on, on this or, or to have an answer to the question I'm about to ask. But I will ask it anyway. Brian, did you get the conflict between Jackie and Shauna? Like, does it, like, is Jackie the bad guy? I thought Jackie was fine, right? Shauna's cheating on her, gets pregnant by Jackie's boyfriend, and then winds up dead by the end of season one in, in, in sort of a, a, a social tiff, right? They, Jackie calls them all out. They have they have a, a, a an orgy. They try to kill a guy after taking mushrooms. Side note, has mushrooms ever really, I mean, you take mushrooms? Really? I mean, I guess if you take that much, because, hey, man, I'm, I, might have experimented in my youth, but like the never had, I, I never had an orgy, nor did I try to eat somebody. You know what I mean? Like I giggled, but I guess maybe they took you there were you know. Yeah, I don't know how always better on TV. I yeah, right. Yeah. I don't I don't know how I've never heard anywhere a story about people taking mushrooms and then becoming violent, turning into a literal wolf pack, but maybe that was the circumstances. But what were your feelings on the the whole that like the last fight they have? 
Shauna is the bad guy. Like Shauna well, is the what one. I feel like, yeah. Shauna is the one that I, should be yelled at by all the other girls. Jackie makes the most sense. Jackie, all right, she doesn't know how to light a fire, but she's 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 pretty sensible. And hey, like, hey guys, hey, you guys all, all right. I I slept with this dude. Sorry, but all right, is that worth? Is that a death sentence? And she calls them all out. She's like, hey, you all, you people went a little nuts last night with the shrooms. Can we take it easy, please? Well, she's sort of the, like that's what's wish you know her her demise is like. Whoa, she was sort of the audience at that moment. You know what I mean? We're all living through her, and then she gets killed. Now they're all. I the one thing I, I didn't get the anger. I, 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 I didn't get why they all started like hating her. I didn't. I just didn't understand that. Uh, but I guess the showrunner, the showrunner has said that they're, she's showing, or they're showing the the breakdown of society. And Jackie represents the order, the ruling order. And they they're like, screw that. We're out in the woods doing what we want. Which is all right. I don't know. I just felt bad for Jackie the whole season. I just hope Javi's all right. The little kid. Well, that's my other. That was my second question. What's Javi up to? Because we he he's completely gone. He's got that's nothing. He's just he's cool. Got his knife. He's doing some carvings. I feel that he's my favorite character on the show. All right, so I think we talked enough. All right, so for insufferable bastards, my name is Carlos Danger. That was Brian Spears, and we'll see you next week. Later. <laughs>